welcome to the Truth Labyrinth podcast. I am your host, J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. This week, we look into a Celebrate Recovery step study program titled The Journey Begins. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is a Christian 12-step program. Uh, the step study series is a 26-lesson um, deep dive into the steps. We kind of take the steps and and tear them apart and put them under the microscope and take a look at how they can better apply to our hurts, habits, and hangups in life. Um, this is not a replacement for face-to-face meetings, so please go to your local Celebrate Recovery meeting and get involved in a face-to-face step study. Trust me, it will change your life. You will hear me say that over and over throughout this teaching series. So you can go to CelebrateRecovery.org and do a search in your area, and you will find a Celebrate Recovery in your area. They are literally everywhere. There's thousands of those uh, operating in churches all over the country. So uh, make sure you strap in and hold on because this is going to be a wild ride. It's going to get bumpy, it's going to be clumsy, and it's going to be uncomfortable at times. But the benefits far outweigh the discomfort that we deal with as we look inside the mirror of God's Word and our behavior. So you do not want to miss a second of this teaching series. Hi, I want to talk to you for a second about my company, COP Audio. COP Audio has been a leader in the Mid-Atlantic since about the mid-90s with all forms of production work, um, both inside the church and outside the church. Uh, We're well known for our mobile audio services and production services for live concerts and festivals. Um, But we also have just as rich of a history inside the church scene. Uh, Church production has definitely been a passion of mine since... I became a, a Christian in 1994. Um, I have worn many hats during this time inside of um, you know the church scene. You know things like having to be light designer and video producer, teacher, you know training staff, uh, been tech director at a couple different churches. Um, it's something that I've always been very passionate about, and genuinely felt like it was part of my Christian ministry. Um, I've trained personally dozens and dozens of tech people and tech staff uh, throughout the mid-Atlantic. I've traveled around and done uh, sound reinforcement workshops and AV workshops um, on site with the church tech teams that I'm working with, trying to help them to get the best out of the systems that they have in place. So, you know, give us a call, check us out. Uh, We'd love to help out your church. We'd love to maybe even talk to you about uh, doing a system upgrade or an install. Um, Maybe you just need someone to come in and make sense of the gear that you have. That's my specialty, you know, and I've been doing that for many, many years. So uh, check us out online at copaudio.com. That's copaudio.com. Be sure to check out and like our Facebook page, COP Audio. Just search COP Audio on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to read our reviews on the Facebook page. There's a lot of reviews on there from our clients and um I think it'll give you some some perspective on who we are as a company. So again, online, copaudio.com, copaudio.com. Hello and welcome back. Today we are in Lesson 23, Give. We are at uh, Principle 8, Step 12. Principle 8 says, yield myself to God to be used uh, to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. 
Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. That's from Matthew 5.10. And then step 12 reads, Having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. And then the supporting scripture there is from Galatians 6.1. And that is, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Gently being the key word there. Um, I know a whole lot of people go to those people with good hearts but try to keep it real and that doesn't work that just makes them rebel more um the second half of that scripture but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted i've I've seen tons of people with good hearts trying to help other people and end up getting drug into the hole that they're trying to to help them out of and uh you got to be super aware of your surroundings i always suggest you go with another brother or sister when you're when you're off to try and help restore someone think about it freely you have received freely give from matthew 10 8 that was jesus speaking what does give mean here's our acrostic for the word give G, God first. By placing God first in your life, you will realize that everything you have is a gift from Him. You realize that your recovery is not dependent on material things, but is built upon your faith and your desire to follow Jesus Christ's direction. I always tell guys that, you know, when you're when you're really rocking this out and you're getting it right is when you're more focused on Jesus than you are even on your recovery. Because a natural byproduct of that process, of that relationship, is sobriety. You know, when you are regularly connecting with others and staying connected with a support system and with a group like Celebrate Recovery um, or, you know, accountability team or your sponsor, when you're doing all those things, it makes, you know, walking the walk of recovery so much easier. So a couple supporting scriptures for that is from Romans 8.32. Romans 8 is my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Uh, He did not even keep back his own son, but offered him for us all. He gave us his son. Will we not also freely give? Will he not also freely give us all things? Again, that's Romans 8.32. That's super huge stuff right there. Uh, God has literally given us everything for success here. You know, uh, it really is our responsibility to take it up and and run it out. Uh, The next uh, supporting scripture here is from uh, Matthew 6.24. You cannot serve two masters, God and money, for you will hate one and love the other or else the other way around. Yeah big huge stuff and it's more than just money he was just jesus was just using that as an example uh in in this context uh the i and give is uh, i becomes we the the 12 steps do not begin with the word i the first word in step one is we the road to recovery is not meant to be traveled alone we always say that god didn't call any lone rangers You know, he called all of us to walk side by side, hand in hand in this uh, process of recovery. The supporting scriptures for uh, that letter of the acrostic is from Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
there's a whole like three night sermon series, you know, right there. Uh, that's like old school tent revival stuff right there. It's really, really good stuff. Love your neighbor as yourself. What I always tell guys is if you don't love yourself, how can you begin to love your neighbor? So a huge part of this process is really learning how to love yourself. I've seen a quote today, uh, a meme from the Samson Society uh, Instagram page, where it says, a person's ability to grow is directly related to the amount of truth they can receive about themselves without running away. And man, that's that's a tough process. You know, I can remember when I first came into recovery 10 years ago, you know, I was a know-it-all and was stubborn and really thought I had everything figured out. And it wasn't until I humbled myself and started listening to the people God had put in my life that I was able to learn how to love myself again and really just have my eyes open to the idea of how much I was not loving myself and how I was really just, you know, kind of treating myself like trash, you know, not taking care of myself, not doing, giving myself the things that I need to be, you know, psychologically and physically successful in the recovery process. The next scripture is Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, two are better off than one because together they can work more efficiently. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone, there is no one there to help him. Two people can resist an attack that would defeat one person alone. So this is yet one of many, many scriptures we see throughout God's word where it's really calling us to connection. You've heard me talk about this all throughout this step study series. We are built for connection. It's uh, how God designed us to be in this world. Uh, God never sent anyone out on their own, including his son. You know, Jesus had the disciples there that had his back. Um, he, obviously, he was their teacher. and He chose those men, but he was also a living example of what a Christ-like life looks like because he was walking it out, you know, and we have you know, accurate documentation of that now. And the more we seek to walk like him, the more we keep our eyes on him. It just makes this whole process so much easier, especially when we're connected to uh, those that are like-minded and understand our struggles and understand where we're coming from. The V in the acrostic is victory. Victory shared. God never wastes a hurt. Principle 8 gives us the opportunity to share our experiences and victories. This, this is how it was for me, quote unquote. Uh, this is what happened to me, quote unquote. This is how I gained my strength, quote unquote. And finally, this is there's hope for you, quote unquote. Those are, are, are catchphrases or things that you hear people say when they're sharing in an open share group or something like that. And, um, you know, sharing those victories is part of what we were just talking about with connection. We encourage each other that way. Second uh, Corinthians 1 3 tells us, let us, give, let us give thanks to the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the merciful Father, the God for whom all help comes. He helps us in all our troubles so that we are able to help those who have all kinds of troubles using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. So it's a whole reciprocation thing going on here. You know, it is, this is the, the lesson and the step of us giving back and us, you know, taking what we've learned and, and sharing it and planning it and letting it grow in someone else's life. 
Um, there's a saying inside of recovery that you can't keep it unless you give it away. I will tell you as someone who has always been called to leadership to one degree or another, when I got into recovery after, you know, a year or 18 months of, you know, humbling myself and just receiving the teaching that I needed from this program, uh, I quickly found myself inside of the leadership circles and, Man, that's when this program really, really digs deep into the roots. There's an old saying that says that you really don't know something until you teach it. It's the same thing here, man. You know, the more you're trying to give it away, the more you're getting blessed. Every one of these lessons that I have recorded in this season of the podcast has blessed me. I've walked away from every episode feeling like I gleaned something I really needed to hear, that God was really speaking to me through these lessons as much as these lessons are speaking to you. So it's a reciprocal thing, you know, and we're supposed to you know, continue to, the world likes to call that pay it forward, you know, to give it away, to, you know, use our testimony as a foundation we can stand on to uh, talk about the goodness of God's grace and mercy inside of our search for sobriety. Uh, e in our acrostic is example of your actions. In James one twenty two, it says that we are to be doers of the word, but to be of help to another, we are to carry the message in all our affairs. We have all heard the term Sunday Christians. Let us not become just Friday night recovery buffs. Um, Celebrate Recovery is typically held on Friday nights in most areas. And most of the groups I've been in, except for one, I've been in four or five, they were typically a midweek thing, Tuesday, Wednesday, some Mondays. So whichever night it is that you're doing recovery, don't don't become a Tuesday night recovery buff. I have seen this play out in my own life firsthand in a very sad and traumatic way. Uh, I knew someone who who was recovering heroin addict, had about three and a half years worth of sobriety, had been through the step study process multiple times, was part of Celebrate Recovery Leadership, um, and then kind of come to find out that, you know, she was real good at wearing the recovery mask and talking the recovery language inside the group, but outside the group in her day-to-day life, there was many, many struggles, and there were many things there that was still had not been uncovered because she hadn't been brave enough to really dig deep into those other layers of healing. Uh, again, it comes back to what I was saying earlier about the Samson Society meme I've seen on Instagram today. We're only able to grow as far as we're able to handle the truth about ourselves. And sometimes that takes years to really get into a place where you're able to handle and swallow that bitter pill of who we really are. I know it's been the toughest thing for me in my recovery process, so I totally get it. I'm not putting any judgment on this person, but they ended up relapsing, and it cost them her life about a year and a half later. A very, very tragic, sad situation. But it's a, it's a prime example of just because you're going to the group every week and because you're in leadership or you've been through the step study series you know, multiple times, that does not mean that you're, that you're exempt from the temptations and the possibility of relapse. I think the healthiest people that I know inside of recovery are the ones that are in absolute constant you know, awakenedness of how they're one step away from you know, relapse. I know I am. 
You know, even when I'm I'm banging up against my boundaries and I'm struggling and I'm not really getting things right and failure is, is kicking me in the rear end, you know, I'm still running back to that throne of grace. I still know where my freedom is. I still know where I belong. But the second that I get overconfident and think that I got this thing licked is is can easily be, and I'm sure we'll cover this in the next two chapters, um, or the next two lessons here, can easily be the foundation of your relapse. You know, you're either moving away from your addiction issues or your compulsive behaviors, or you're moving toward them. And you need to ask yourself that each and every day, which direction am I going in today? And you know what? I tell guys all the time, it's okay to have a bad day. One day does not define your whole recovery process. You know, pull up your bootstraps, get with your sponsor, confess that junk, get it out in the open, and just keep marching. You know, don't don't let having to reset your clock, your sobriety clock, and all that kind of stuff jack you all up and get you in a situation where you feel like you need to hide things because we're only as healthy as our secrets, remember? You know, so it's very important that we, we keep walking those things out with the brothers and sisters that God has put into our life. Uh, supporting scripture for that is 1 John 3.18. My child, our love should not be just words and talk. It must be true love, which shows itself in action. We have got to put the rubber to the road. That's the bottom line of this whole process. I can't tell you the times I have run into people inside of recovery circles who can speak the language and got it all going on, you know, on the surface, but their their lifestyle is not reflecting recovery. You know, they're not staying sober or they're allowing minor things back into their lives. I'll give you an example. A lot of alcoholics will say, well, I'm going to start, you know, sipping on a little wine every now and then or, or have a beer, you know, after mowing a lawn in the summertime or something like that. And, you know, those are can be slippery slopes, man, slippery slopes, you know, to... to you end up right back where you started, uh, and you have to be super sensitive. You have to be transparent and living a life of transparency and accountability um, to your sponsors, to your Silas's, to you know your, your accountability people, and staying connected. Otherwise, you will just end right up back where you were. You know, um, it's it's easy to do. You have to put no effort into relapse. Let me just throw that out there. Let me just go on and 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 knock everybody's weedies over here. You have to put zero effort into relapsing. You will relapse all on your own, all by yourself. You'll have to put no effort. It won't be exhausting. It'll be the easiest thing you've ever done is to relapse. But you do have to put massive amounts of effort into sobriety, into staying connected. Man, I get get tired of having to call people. I get tired of going to meetings. I get tired of all that stuff. You know, and sometimes you got to take a minute and just take a break from that. You know, to kind of you know keep your mental health in the right place, or maybe you need to go to a different group. You know, there's literally hundreds of thousands of celebrate recovery groups all over the country. In my area alone, within you know 20 mile radius, there's probably six or eight different celebrate recovery groups. And if I if I get to a plateau in the group that I'm in, I just start going to a different group. You know, get into a different group of people, meet new people, bring new people, healthy people into my story, into my recovery process, and. You know, that's that's super huge, man. That's how you keep moving forward. None of this comes naturally. You know, relapse comes naturally. You know, addiction comes naturally because our fallen nature is always going to desire those things. You know, health, stability, and harmony in your life are things you're going to have to earn, you know, through putting actions behind your words, staying connected, and getting to these meetings. 
The Lord spreads his message through the eight principles and the Christ-centered 12 steps. We are the instruments for delivering the good news. The way we live will confirm to others the sincerity of our commitment to our Lord, to the program, and to them. That's principle eight. And then one final scripture for this episode is Luke eight sixteen through 18. Luke eight sixteen through 18. No one lights a lamp and then covers it up with a wash tub or shoves it under a bed. No. You set it up on a lampstand for those who enter the room so they can see their way around the room. We're not hiding things. We're bringing everything into the open. So be careful that you don't become miserers. Generous, generosity begets generosity. Stingingness improves. So, you know, that last sentence, so be careful that you don't become miserers. You know, don't, don't be someone who is, gets frustrated with somebody in the program and then becomes someone who is miserable all the time and complaining about this and only sees the negative about everything. You know, those are, those are core personality flaws that are part of your compulsive behavior, a part of your addiction story. You know, you gotta, you gotta live through all that. And it's, you know, trying to communicate that, you know, generosity breeds generosity, you know, and that stingingness you know, that we have to go through that jagged little pill we have to swallow of truth about ourselves, you know, it it improves as you go through, you know, the recovery process. It gets easier to hear those truths. You get to a point really where you start desiring those truths because you, you know the growth and the wellness that it brings to your life. Um, that stingingness impoverishes. It really does. You know, and if we focus on that, you know, it will rob us of joy and satisfaction in this world. So it's it's vitally important that we keep our eyes on Christ and we stay connected with healthy people. I just this year, just in the last six months, have had to filter out some people who were very good friends of mine because I came to a realization that they were toxic and they were not doing me any good. And uh, that was hard to do because I love these people. I'm still acquaintances with them. But as far as us being inner circle friends, man, it was just time to put some distance between me and them. And it wasn't any, we didn't have a blow up or anything like that. It wasn't anything like that. It was just a recognition through my recovery, you know, uh, DNA, through the, the things that I've learned throughout the 10 years of recovery that I have been walking out that this was not doing me any good. And I I realized something about myself, and I'm just giving you this for free, guys. You know, this is just the icing on the cake of this episode. You know, when you get to a place where you can, you know, look at your life from an outside perspective, you start to see things a little differently. You know, truth brings more truth into your life. That's the reality of recovery. The more truth you digest, the more truth you see, the more your eyes are opened. And I'm not saying these are bad people. They're not bad people. I think they're just lost in their own compulsive behaviors. And, you know, I realized that I was someone who had just surrounded myself that looked like, you know, some familiar things from my childhood. You know, my my parents and my family was very emotionally unavailable. You know, in my own personal life as a kid growing up, I always felt like I was in the way of their happiness. I always felt like I was never good enough, you know, those sort of things. And what I realized was I was 
subconsciously surrounding myself with those same people in my adult life. Definitely in my romantic life, that kind of came to the surface early on in my recovery process. But this, it, it went, you know, peeled another layer of the onion, man. I got another layer deeper and realized that there's some friends in my life that I'm, it's kind of a one-way relationship, you know, like I'm giving and giving and giving and I get very little in return, just, you know, little morsels of this and little morsels of that. Rarely did they ever support the things that I loved and was passionate about. Rarely did they come to the table, you know, trying to make my life easier or better. You know, now there were times that they did things for me. They were there for me in some tough times of my life and stuff like that. But it got to a point where I realized that what they're reciprocating was the absolute bare minimum. And I deserve more than the bare minimum. I deserve more than the bare minimum in my romantic life. And I deserve more than the bare minimum in my friendship relationships. And you know what? I prayed about that. I made some adjustments. And don't you know that God immediately sent some other people into my life who are all those things almost to the point to where I kind of feel a little out of place because I'm not used to having friends who you know cheer me on I'm not used to having friends who you know support the things that I love and the ambition of my life I'm not used to having friends who are you know compassionate in a in a sense to where they're they're willing to make a sacrifice for the greater good of my life you know my old friends didn't do that. They did things that benefited them. And if they did something good for you, it always had strings attached to it. And it it was always doing that because they were investing in some way in you because they may need you at some point down the road. You know, that's, that's a tough revelation to come to. It was hard. It was really hard. And like I said, I still love these people. We're we're still acquaintances. We still get together from time to time, but nowhere near as much as what we used to. You got to draw some boundaries in your life. You know, at some point you got to kind of wake up and say, aren't I worthy of better friends than this? That's a tough question, you know, because the enemy's right there to kind of make you feel like that you know, you're on some high horse now that you're, you know, you've grown to the point where you're too good for these people anymore and, and that I'm wrong. That's what the enemy was telling me in this whole process, that I'm not being compassionate, that I'm on some high horse now and, and acting like, oh, they're not good enough to be my friends anymore after, you know, being really close friends for years and years. And those are lies, man. That's just the enemy trying to, to, to wrangle me right back into, you know, that limited way of thinking. And, and the thing is, is I've had a lot of success in the last year. And that was starting to cause some friction in our relationship with these old friends. And I was kind of blown away by that, but it really did. It caused some friction in in that relationship. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. That's kind of what opened my eyes to the situation. You know, when, when you're friends with someone for 15, 20 years, and they see you firsthand working and slaving and, you know, blood, sweat and tears, pouring everything that you have into becoming successful at your at your trade or what it is you do or the things that you love in life, and then see you accomplish those things and can't be happy for you. There's something wrong there, man. There's there's some toxicity involved in that, you know? And um that really hit a nerve with me, and it made me stop and reevaluate some things in my life. And I prayed really hard about it. I really did. I prayed really hard about it and um, just had to kind of push him out to arm's length. 
You know, and then the people God brought into my life are like way over the top supportive and, you know, all this other stuff and just, just think that they're Christians, you know, they're deeper believers than the old friends and, you know, they see God working in my life and they're just super supportive and super, you know, um, there for me. You know, I can call them at a moment's notice and we're getting together to get something to eat or something like that. And I've never had that in my life. Never. I've never had, you know... Well, I've had some resemblances of that, but it never lasted, you know? Um, and who's, I mean, I guess time will tell how long this lasts, but, you know, I had to make some, some decisions with who I'm connecting myself with. And I'm just going to tell you as, you know, a counselor that if there's people in your life that aren't cheering you on when you accomplish things, or they're not supporting you, or they're always a Debbie Downer looking at the negative, bringing failure to every conversation when you're trying to bring life and progression into your life. If they're standing there, you know, saying, okay, yeah, well, but then this could happen and then that could happen and playing the what if game with you trying to steal your thunder, man, you should probably, you know, really think about how healthy that person is for your life. Many times we don't realize those people are even in our lives, you know, and it's our responsibility to try to give back what God has given us. And when you've pitched that for years to people who just don't want to hear it, it falls on deaf ears. And then on top of that, you know, they kind of just want to keep you as your their little errand boy or, you know, if they need you for X, Y, and Z, you're always there to be able to pull the trigger and do for them what they can't do for themselves but then never reciprocate that kind of support, you need to really ask yourself if you're connecting with healthy people. Because healthy people will always cheer you on. Healthy people will always, you know, have your back and be there saying, you know what, I'm like super happy for, you know, what's going on in your life. You've worked so hard. We've been here on the front lines the whole time. And you're you're rocking it out, man. You're really getting it done. See, we don't realize sometimes how much our childhood is still controlling our today. And that's where programs like Celebrate Recovery help us to peel those layers of the onion and help us to get to the core of that stuff in our life. It's super huge stuff. It really is. And it's awesome when you discover those things. If you have found value in this podcast, please consider giving to this ministry. The Truth Labyrinth is only one aspect of Restoration Ministries. We raise money regularly for needy people right here in our own community. Just this past Christmas season, we raised over $1,000 for a woman struggling with spinal cancer and was able to bring hope to someone who had lost all hope. Uh, We've bought handicap vans for the disabled. We paid utility bills for single moms. And uh, we've paid for hundreds of casual meals for those who were in need of one-on-one counseling, but uncomfortable with an office environment. Listen, guys, sometimes it's much easier for someone to open up and ask for help over a meal than it is to walk into a counselor's office and lay on a couch. God has and is using Restoration Ministries in ways that break traditional church protocol. I personally believe we have to earn the right to speak into someone's life, and it takes time to build those bridges, many times unraveling years of church hurt and dysfunction. This is what Christian ministry should look like in today's world. 
God should be glorified through our efforts to help the world around us, but it takes resources to do these things. For years, I've paid for a lot of these things out of my own pocket without hesitation. Or I've organized a benefit concert or some kind of fundraising campaign to provide these services for the people that God puts in my pathway. I will continue to give to these causes with everything that I have, but I need your support. It takes money and time to produce this podcast. Many hours go into praying over and organizing these messages. Not to mention actually recording the messages and all the post-production editing and stuff that needs to happen with that. This ministry isn't about building an empire. It's about connecting hungry hearts with the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no aspirations of becoming some wealthy preacher or tycoon ministry leader. I am content with the world that I live in, and my little world is pretty peaceful and satisfying. I definitely don't need the drama that comes along with big ministry and tycoon leadership egos. I'm just trying to make my tiny little piece of the world better. I need your support. So please pray about supporting this ministry financially. I will post links in the notes of this podcast so that you can send your gift online. Next, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review so others can see what's going on here, especially your five-star reviews. Uh, The more you review us, the higher we rank in search listings, and this allows people to discover us easier. Finally, please pray for this ministry. Pray God will provide for our needs here at the Truth Labyrinth. Pray that God will bring this podcast across the screens of those that need to hear these messages. The Bible tells us that God's ear is upon the lips of the righteous. Guys, He hears our prayers. And we need His constant guidance for each and every podcast and everything that Restoration Ministries does. So pray that He uses this podcast to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, and that His truth will turn those hearts toward His eternal mercy and grace. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh.